0: What's up, everybody? This is episode 151 of the Catfish on Ice podcast, brought to you by DraftKings promo code THPN, part of the Hockey Podcast Network. This is your host Chad Mitten. Hope everyone's having a great Friday as we go into the weekend here. Um, not such a great third game of the season for the Nashville Predators. They lose their first game of 2022-23 against the Dallas Stars at home at Bridgestone Arena. Right from the start, you just didn't feel like the team had it going for them. And they ran up against a team that will make you pay when you're not playing at your best. And that's exactly what the Dallas Stars did. Going to recap this game for you. Talk about what I saw from the game. Talk about what I think the Predators need to do moving forward as they don't have to wait very long. The Dallas Stars are waiting for them in Dallas for a rematch uh, on Saturday. So this is a great early season opportunity to see how the guys respond to a loss. Make some quick adjustments, you get to play the same team again. Perfect measuring stick moment for this Nashville Predators team to see how they make adjustments. Um, One thing I can say here, no reason to really linger on this loss too much because it's an 82 game season. It's an 82 game grind as many people call it. That's exactly what this is. And this felt like a powder keg waiting to go off this game and go off in the faces of the National Predators because you're talking about a Dallas Stars team who is just as hungry as they are. It's their season opener. They've got a brand new head coach in Pete DeBoer. They're fired up. They just got their superstar, Jason Robertson, re signed after that lingered way too far into the season than they would have liked and into training camp. So they they have all the reason to be very, very excited about their season as well. And it just, you're talking about the National Predators who had been back for a few days from their trip to Europe, where they were over there for a while, had so many great memories, had a lot of success over there. When you talk about going to SC Burn and Roman Yossi having his homecoming, you know, Ryder having his homecoming, everything great that it was associated with that. Then they sweep the global series by looking overall like the more dominant team on paper, like they should have. And they won both of those games against a much less superior San Jose Sharks team, and then you turn around and you have to really ramp up the intensity level against the Dallas Stars, and that's unfortunately just not what the Predators did. It didn't even take three minutes into regulation before the Dallas Stars pounced on them with a goal from Marchment, who is with his new team. And what I saw from that goal was just him simply outskating the Preds' defenders and then He beats UC Saros, which isn't an easy thing to do. Um, Soros was just completely fooled by that shot. But it wasn't all on Soros, obviously, because he skates around Yossi. Yossi gets faked out. You don't see that very often. And what do you know? The stars are quickly on the board and get that really critical early goal in a game like this. And it was just downhill from there for the National Predators. Um, Just, I mean, head coach John Hines really – summed it up in his post game quotes, just basically saying he told the team's official website. I just didn't see the usual juice and spark that we play with. That kind of sounds like coach speak a little bit. You're going to hear every coach echo that same sentiment whenever their team loses a game like this. But when it comes to the predators, it is very true because they are the type of team that they talk about this all the time. They have to be the hardest working team on the ice. And, Otherwise, especially when you're going to go up against very good teams, high-quality team like the Dallas Stars are, it's going to not work out in your favor. And that's exactly what happened. Um, More from what John Hines said here. He said, I thought the guys put the effort in, but we just didn't have the same juice that we normally would be able to play with. I I mean, that's kind of a weird – I feel like that's kind of contradicting yourself there. They had the effort, but they didn't have the juice. What does that really mean? Not really sure there – but what I do think he's trying to get at is the Dallas Stars had way more of an intensity level to their game. The Predators didn't match it early, and the game just got away from them. You're uh, you're going into – you're getting close to the second intermission, and you're only down 2 nothing. so that you've still got a glimmer of hope to make your comeback a two-goal deficit to make up in the third period isn't the craziest thing to come back from. But then th- what really kills you is – when Pavelski scores right before the second period ends. And that's kind of where the game jumped off the cliff for me, was when Pavelski got that goal. Um, Yeah, Pavelski got the goal less than a minute left in the second period, and Pavelski uh, scores with assists from Rupe Hens and Jason Robertson. And that's when you felt like, okay, this just isn't our night. The Predators aren't going to be able to make up a three goal deficit in the third period, somehow get this to, to overtime and make just an enormous comeback. It would, be, it would have been a great story, trust me, but just felt like that's where the game effectively ended. And then the third period happens. And what do you know? The stars score again on a power play, a power play goal that Soros just had no chance at stopping. Um, the product of really poor spacing from the Preds' penalty kill, really great passing, tic-tac-toe style from the Stars, and it's just like a slam-dunk type of goal, and Soros has no chance of stopping it. Floodgates are open at that point. It's 4 nothing. And then, oh, what do you know, Ryan Johansson decides to at least get himself his first goal of the season on an assist from Tol- Tolvanen, who was the one that originally fired the shot, and it deflects in, so at least they didn't get shut out if you want to f- try to find some some glass half-full stuff there, but overall just a game that you want to quickly forget, game three of 82 games. I don't think you linger on this. This is the type of loss that if you're battling for a playoff spot in April and you see a game like this, then it's magnified and you're worried about it and you're like, what is going on here? Game three, your first game at home, your first game actually back in North America after opening the season in the Global Series is just a really weird setup in itself. And then you're going up against a team that's opening their 2022-23 season. It's a really hard scenario and it shouldn't surprise you too much. Excuse me. Shouldn't it surprise you too much that the Stars were the more enthusiastic intensified team and the team that really came out just gunning from the start and finally the last quote I have here from John Hines our decisions and our execution with the puck wasn't what it needed to be and special teams were a difference in the game too so credit to Dallas I thought they played very well but for us we just didn't have the level that we normally play with so he he repeated that same phrase in different ways a couple times. Just we didn't have the energy level. We didn't have our normal intensity. We didn't have our normal juice, as you would say. And um, I got to agree with them. (laughs) What you saw in that game, they definitely did not have that. Um, Speaking of special teams and what John Hines hinted on there, I mean, what is going on with that? Preds go 0 for 5 on the power play. I mean, in a game like this, 0 for 5 on the power play, you're just – I mean, that's – this team was top 10 on the power play last year. The fact that they couldn't have gone at least one or two out of five on those attempts, you have a much different game at that point. Meanwhile, on the flip side, the Dallas Stars go two out of four on their power play. So don't have to dig too deep to find one of your main contributing factors to not only why the Predators lost, but why they lost pretty convincingly. Um, you can't have that type of disparity in special teams, especially when you have two teams who are already taking a lot of penalties as it is. It was a very um, there were a lot of whistles in this game. The predators took 13 penalty minutes, the stars took 15 penalty minutes. So the penalties were even here. It wasn't like a lopsided one team caught all the penalties, the other team didn't. No, it was it was just a typical stars predators matchup where the whistle is gonna get blown a lot, there's gonna be a lot of chirping. Uh, Tanner Janot got in a fight in this game, um, and that's just the way it goes. It's always going to be that way between these two teams. It's probably going to be that way again on Saturday. And if you want to match up well and beat the Dallas Stars this year, you went 3-1 and one against them last year. If you want to beat them this year, then you're going to have to win the special teams battles when these penalties inevitably happen between these two teams. 0-5 is just simply unacceptable. They have got to be working heavily on that in between days before they get to the rematch on Saturday in Dallas. You know that building's going to be rocking because their team's already 1-0, and they're wanting blood. They're they're smelling blood to get off to a quick start against a division rival, a team you figure you're going to be neck and neck with for a playoff positioning. You get two quick wins against that team early in the season. That's big. That's about as big of a start as you can get as a team, uh, beating your division rival twice in your first two games of the season. So – Believe me, Predators got to make some big adjustments. Discussing the lineup here and what I saw. Um, First of all, Cody Glass did not play in this game. They call it day-to-day as an illness. So that um, that was kind of a shocker because he's such a big part of this fourth line this year. He's a big part of really stacking this lineup up from top to bottom and not having him available in the game. Really showed, in my opinion, that fourth line of Kiefer, Sherwood, Michael McCarron, and Cole Smith didn't produce much of anything here. Uh, just couldn't. It's it's a it's a really makeshift fourth line you're throwing together there, and uh, it's just going to be really hard to make anything happen uh, from there. You're talking about three guys who have never really played with each other on the same line, and The results showed because they produced very little of anything on the ice together. If you're looking at money puck and how each line performed, they spent five minutes, a little over five minutes at five on five, five together, and expected on ice goals for was minuscule at best. So you need to see more out of that. We need to get Cody Glass back in this lineup quick because he is just a dynamic, prototypical center that can make things happen on that fourth line, give you that really critical bonus fourth line offense that you need. I like for Sherwood in that spot, but I'm going to go ahead and tell you right now. One change I want to see for Saturday is I would love to see Zach Sanford make his season debut. We haven't seen him yet. He was a pretty decent off-season acquisition, in my opinion. No one really talked about it, but I thought it was a pretty good move by the Predators to add – a guy who's played in the Stanley Cup, played big minutes on that level for the St. Louis Blues, has played for other really good teams, and has shown over his NHL career that he can contribute offensively, and he is also that perfect fourth-line player that plays at a very highly physical level, piles up the hits, can maybe even help you out on on the penalty kill. We'll see. But I would like to see him get a season debut, maybe move Cole Smith out of that spot for now, Cole Smith has played all three games on the fourth line. I'm just not seeing enough from him. And you went out and got all these players, and you got all these choices for your fourth line. You need to start exploring. We've seen Michael McCarron. We know what he can do. I want to see what Zach Sanford can do now in the rematch on Saturday against the Dallas Stars. I'll be interested to see what kind of lineup changes John Hines makes. I think he has room to make a change there on the fourth line by putting Zach Sanford in. Let's hope that Cody Glass is ready to go by that time. And then I would keep Kiefer Sherwood on that fourth line. So I would go – if Glass is healthy, I would love to see a Glass at center and then see Zach Sanford make his season debut, keep Kiefer Sherwood on the fourth line. On the other side, boom, I want to see what a fourth line like that can, can produce. And if they could have a good game and look well with each other, then keep that line rolling for a few games. After that, maybe you can find something there with your fourth line. I would love that. So let's look out for Zach Sanford there. Let's talk about what UC Sorrow showed us in this game. Yes, he gives up four goals. I would say that two of them, especially the first goal of the game on the breakaway from Marchment, maybe you would have liked to have seen him step up and make that save and not get fooled so easily. But it's a that's a really tough save for anyone to make because you've got a really great goal scorer in Marchmont coming right after you. He just deked out all the defense and just outskated everyone. So your line of defense is just completely crumbled in front of you. And what do you know? Soros has to step up and save the team literally by making a critical save there. Could he have made it? Could he have guessed right? And I don't, I it's just was it was such a perfect shot from Marchment. I'm not gonna hold that against Soros too much. Um Looking at Money Puck's numbers, Saros does finish slightly negative on his expected save save goals, expected above expected. He finishes at a minus 0.47, so not anything too crazy, but definitely wasn't one of his better games either, if you look at it analytically. But again, the whole team got outplayed here by the Dallas Stars. That's really what it comes down to even UC Saros, who made 25 saves on just 29 shots face. It's not like he gave up four goals and he was peppered with 40 or 50 shots. And it was one of those games where it's like, man, I mean, no wonder, no wonder he gave up four goals. The team was just battering him with shots all night. No, it was just the stars were very opportunistic when they did get their opportunities to score. And it's just, That's just what happens. You know, I don't think it would have mattered who was in net last night, to be quite honest. Um, I think in that game, the the, the Predators were just destined to lose, and it wasn't so much on who was in net. It was more on one team was ready to play and one team wasn't from top to bottom. And, again, those things are going to happen in the 82-game grind of a season. I mean, it's not going to be perfect every game. You'd rather get these games out of your system early in the season, especially game three, and move on. And this is where the head coach comes into play here. This is where John Hines has to prove himself this season as the head coach long-term-wise of the Predators. He's in a two-year deal. I wrote an article about this just a couple weeks ago on PredLines.com saying this is such a critical year for head coach John Hines as as the leader of this Predators team behind the bench. He's only on a two-year deal. He has to really prove it to the organization before he's ever going to get a long-term deal. And finally, the front office has gone out and built him a roster that I think a really good head coach should be able to win with. I've liked everything that I've seen from John Hines this offseason, watching the the behind-the-glass series, how he's a player's coach, how he leaves it all out there as far as unfiltered, I loved what he was telling his team going into training camp in regards to every practice is going to matter. And there's no preferential treatment here just because you've been here for a while or just because you're perceived as the starter. And we saw that firsthand when uh, Philip Tomasino starts the season with the Milwaukee Admirals. I mean, that's not an easy decision for a coach to make. That's not necessarily a popular decision for a head coach to make to send your young, rising Star who put up over 30 points in 76 games as a rookie. Many know all about his high ceiling as a dynamic offensive player. But John Hines makes the really unpopular decision, but maybe the wise decision that Tomasino needs to start off on the AHL level and that he needs to go with a different roster for now and let Tomasino develop, play the long game here. So I like all this stuff that John Hines is showing, but we still have to see it on, on proven on the ice with results, and it's going to carry over into the postseason and what they do there. This felt like a postseason type of game. It always is when you play your division rivals, especially a team like the Stars, because it's a very realistic team that you can meet in the playoffs. So if we want to start measuring this team as a viable team, playoff team, not just to make the playoffs, but to make it deep into the playoffs. These are the types of games that they have to win. These are the types of games they have to avoid losing and losing so lopsidedly like they did on Thursday night. So again, it's no reason to just completely overreact and get too crazy about it. But that's why Saturday is really important here because if they go out and put out the same effort, and get ran out of the building once again by the Stars, well, then we're going to have to start thinking about some things a little bit more because then you're going to have two games within a 48-hour stretch where your division rival just completely outmatches you and runs you out of the building. That's not going to be a good look at all, and you're going to start hearing the criticism already start coming out after four games if that happens. So I think the guys in the locker room realize it. Even though it's only game four of an 82-game season, Saturday is a very, very important game for the mental psyche, for everything about it. you got to come out, perform at a high level. And if you do play your game and play it play at your highest level, then I think the Predators can be a better team than the Stars when it's all said and done. On paper, I think they're slightly better. But I've been saying this for a while now. The Dallas Stars are a helter-skelter team for me. I don't know what to expect from them, Jekyll and Hyde, whatever analogy you want to use. They are a very hard team to figure out. They come out and look like they did on Thursday against the Predators, and you're thinking, okay, this team could be maybe the second best team in the Central Division, only behind the Colorado Avalanche. But there's going to be stretches most likely where the Stars are going to look like a non-playoff team. But – I think the Predators when it's all said and done and when you lay it out a full season they should be the better team than the Dallas Stars when it's all said and done. But it didn't look that way on Thursday. So it's a tough game to figure out here, but in the end I think that the Predators will be fine. It's it's one of those things where it's an early game in the season and it's just gonna these things are going to happen. Uh, We are presented by DraftKings and part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Of course, you can, as new users, can get in on the DraftKings fun right now. Hockey fans, it's finally time to hit the ice again. And thanks to DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, you're in for the season of a lifetime. New customers can bet just $5 on any team and get $200 in free bets if they win. That's with our promo code THPN. So if you're talking about the Predators and the Stars on Saturday, do you feel like the guys can go ahead and make some serious adjustments and not lose to the Dallas Stars twice in a row in 48 hours? Surely that's not going to happen, right? Well, then you can throw down $5 bet right now as a new user of DraftKings, and if the Predators were to beat the Stars on Saturday in the rematch, you would win $200 in free bets. That's not a bad deal at all. If that wasn't enough excitement, you can turn small bets into bigger payouts with same-game parlays, combine multiple bets, like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more for your shot at an even bigger payout. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet $5 on any NHL team to win their game and get $200 in free bets if they do. That's code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. Please see our show notes below. If you are having a gambling crisis or need gambling help or assistance, there are ways you can reach out. Phone numbers you can call in our show notes description below the episode for that. And DraftKings is also safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash Whenever you want. Again, DraftKings promo code THPN. All right, so let's move along here. Just talking about how this game unfolded. Dallas Stars beat the National Predators 4 to 1 for the first defeat of the season for the Predators. They're not going 82 0 0, unfortunately. We thought they might have a chance. You know, maybe if they played the Sharks 82 t- times this season, maybe it would have been possible, but. Unfortunately, you got to play every team in the league at least once, and um, that's going to be hard to do. So Predators lose. It's going to be okay. Looking at all the lines here, five-on-five play, no one really stands out offensively. I mean, your most effective line offensively at five-on-five was the Niederreiter-Johansson-Tolvenen line. Want to touch on Ellie Tolvenen. Also wrote another article recently for Predlines.com discussing how – Ellie Tolvanen has a chance to really seize that second-line role right now. Uh, He can actually keep that for good, or at least for the extended future, if he can really perform at a high level on the second line. And um, that's going back to the Philip Tomasino scenario here, where he's out of the picture. You need someone for that second line. Um, Kiefer Sherwood looked good in his debut on the second line surprisingly back in the global series but right now it seems like they're gonna gift ellie tolvin that opportunity and i think it's a big deal for his career moving forward and he does get the assist in the one goal that the Predators scored last night against the shark or against the stars and uh i'm not gonna uh gloss over that too much just because it came in garbage time but hey a point to point and at least he did get on the score sheet. So Tolvanen's now got three points through three games of the season. So can't overlook that. I want to continue to see what Tolvanen can produce on the second line, see if he can have a career year in terms of offensive numbers. If you keep him on that second line, I think he can do that. I think playing with Niederreiter and Johansson, it's now or never for Tolvanen. You're playing with two experienced, quality veterans who should bring out the best in you. So this is his chance. There's no more excuses really for him to not really elevate his game. He's going to be getting that elevated ice time. And they were technically the most effective offensive uh, forward line out there last night. Uh, The Forsberg-Granlin-Duchene line were were pretty – they were just kept in check. I mean, you didn't really see much from Forsberg at all. Let's see, Forsberg uh, did have five shots on goal, but, I mean, still was – mainly kept in check. uh, Looking at Duchesne, three shots on goal, and Granlund, two shots on goal with four hits as well. So, I mean, the line's kept pretty quiet there. Um, That's the line that needs to cook every night, especially in these uh, divisional games, and they just weren't able to produce anything at all offensively, especially on the power play. That really hurts you there. You can't have your top line, especially that talented of a top line, be held up, held off the score sheet like that, and expect to win very many games. Uh, Jano Sisson's, Trenin, the herd line continues to stay together. They were also held in check. I want to go back to the. Uh, this is all five on five play, by the way, from Money Puck. The Forsberg Grandland Duchene line also defensively had the expected most goals against, so they were the they were the line that was kind of getting roasted a little bit uh defensively speaking as well. Uh, The Johansson line, they were the stingiest defensively at five on five. So that that's your best line. That's probably been your best line all year is is the Johansson line through three games. That's been the best forward line by far. Uh, And then you you look at the defensive pairings here. Uh, Eckholm and McDonough got the most ice time at five on five. Uh, Yossi Carrier Koroviecki and, and Fabro got ice time together. You saw very minimal time with Yossi and Fabro together a little bit. But for the most part, those were your top three pairings there. And you're going to continue to see that third pairing. Um, you're going to continue to see the third defensive pairing really um, go between Eckholm and Jeremy Lazan. So we'll have our Jeremy. I'm sorry, Jeremy Lazan and Mark Borowiecki are going to continue to be interchangeable, most likely. So we'll have to see if on Saturday Hines flips it back over again and puts Lazan back in the game for the fourth pairing. or for the third pairing. We'll have to wait and see how that shakes out. That's a, just going to keep continuing to be a storyline all year until someone really sets themselves apart to get regular playing time. Um, let's look at what happened in the rest of the league last night. Um, not a lot of upsets, but one final score that obviously really stands out is how about the Calgary Flames, who had a very, very dramatic offseason by losing Johnny Goudreau, by losing Matthew to Chuck. But they got Huberdeau, and they've had a good offseason for the most part. They offset some of their losses with some gains, and they get a huge statement win early in this season by beating the Colorado Avalanche 5-3. to three. They were way up in that game. Uh, and then the Avalanche tried to make a comeback, didn't work out. So your defending Stanley Cup champions finally take their first blow of the season as well uh, by losing to the Calgary Flames 5-3. to That's a big statement win early in the season. The New York Rangers, who have already gotten their first win of the season by beating the Tampa Bay Lightning earlier this week, they go out and crush the Minnesota Wild by a 7-3 to final score. And – I still don't understand the love affair that everyone has for the Minnesota Wild this season. I mean, there are so many people who just think that they are not only maybe the second-best team in the league, but that they're just going to, like, have a really good postseason and go deep. I just don't see it. I don't know why everyone likes them so much. And it's just one game, but they get completely ran out of the building against the New York Rangers by a 7-3 final score at home, no less. So that's a pretty bad loss for them. The Maple Leafs finally, finally get their win there. After losing to the Montreal Canadiens, uh, kind of an ugly loss to open the season, but they beat the Capitals 3-2. to um, Other than that, a lot of games you would expect here. The Florida Panthers take care of business and beat the Islanders. The Philadelphia Flyers and the John Tortorello coaching debut for them, they beat the New Jersey Devils 5-2. to The Penguins absolutely run the Coyotes out of the building with a 6-2 to win over the coyotes so the penguins take care of business there and the chicago blackhawks in a very hard-fought game but they lose one nothing to the golden knights and the kraken get their first win of the season by beating the la kings four to one so that's your scores from thursday night around the league um, a lot of interesting games there uh we'll have to wait and see how everything shakes out all right so that's our recap episode 51 of catfish and ice with your host Chad Minton as the Nashville Predators lose 4-1 to to the Dallas Stars. They'll play on Saturday at Dallas at 8 o'clock. That game will be back on the regional sports networks, Valley Sports South. So be sure to check that out if you're in the Nashville area. That game is at 8 o'clock, 7 Central on Saturday. Prezi the update response there. This has been your host, Chad Minton of Catfish on Ice, recapping episode 151 with uh, the Preds losing 4-1 to to the Dallas Stars. We will see you all next week for a brand new full episode of Catfish on Ice with Chad Mitten, Rich Allen, and Kyle Perkins. That will be coming up next week, so stay tuned for that. Follow us on Twitter, at Catfish Ice. Subscribe to the YouTube channel, uh, and that really helps out a lot. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll see you next week.